And Luke chapter 24. Verse 1 on. On the first day of the week, very early in the morning, the women took the spices they had prepared and went to the tomb. They found the stone rolled away from the tomb, but when they entered, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were wondering about this, suddenly two men in clothes that gleamed like lightning stood beside them. In their fright, the women bowed down with their faces to the ground. But the men said to them, why do you look for the living among the dead? He's not here. He's risen. I'm going to say that that verse again. Praise God. He is not here. He has risen. Amen. Remember how he told you while while he was still with you in Galilee. The Son of Man must be delivered over to the hands of sinners, be crucified, and on the third day be raised again. And then they remembered his words. Hallelujah. Father, we thank you for your words. We thank you for your promises. Thank you, Father. And today as we celebrate the resurrection, Lord, we remember you. We remember your love for us. But I pray, O God, as we read your word and as we share the scriptures, among the brethren, I pray that you open up the eyes of our understanding, that we might take our part, my God, that when we go back to our homes, our hearts will be filled with joy and filled with encouragement and and filled with boldness because of your promises to us. Thank you, my Father, for your kindness that you bestowed upon humanity at the cross. Thank you. We pray these things in the name of the Lord of Lords and King of Kings, Jesus Christ. Amen and amen. You may be seated. Hallelujah. Praise God. So, the disciples were in a state of shock. Because you know, as we taught on Friday, Jesus died on the cross. And their hope died with them. See, when they saw this scenario, they lost hope. They saw him die, and they figured death is the finality. There's no other option. It's gone. They expected him to deliver them from the, from the I guess, uh, the problems, the enslavement, the issues, the problems uh, that Rome had over them. They expected him to be a deliverer, a physical, natural deliverer. They didn't understand what he came to do. They didn't understand why he was on the cross. He was the Lamb of God, and they did not understand that. So they were in a state of shock. In the midst of the despair, Jesus shows up, and they didn't even recognize him. It was only three days. Come on. It's going to take me a lot longer to forget you. The other day I saw somebody I hadn't seen in literally 30 years, and I recognized the person. Aside of a little white hair, I still recognize the person. But in three days, they could not, they, had, they were so grief-stricken, they could not even recognize him. And it was 11 apostles and other disciples who were eyewitnesses to his resurrection. You need to understand something about history. One thing great about history is that when we find scrolls, when we find writings in different parts of the world, this confirms things that happened in the past. Especially if this scroll agrees with the other scroll, which was found in different parts of the world. The Bible itself is actually not one book. It's 66 books written throughout the process of many, many years. And so what happens is you have different witnesses from different time frames and time periods sharing what they experience in their lifetime. And if you were to read in, in the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 15... And I'll read it to you in a minute. In a minute. It says, over 500 people witnessed Jesus coming back from the dead. Amen. So there were a lot of writings. There were a lot of eyewitnesses. And that's what you want. When you're studying history, you want eyewitnesses that share. And then you want a correlation of agreement. And so you, they find different scrolls throughout history, and they all agree that Jesus was not a myth. He actually lived... He actually ministered. 
he actually died on the cross and he actually rose again. Amen. Agreed to by over 500 witnesses. So let me read that verse to you. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 3 through 8. Paul, who was also alive during the time of Jesus, he happened to be a persecutor of the church. But he was literally stopped on the way by Jesus himself. He said this, For I delivered to you, first of all, that which I also received, that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, and that he was buried, and that he rose again the third day according to the Scriptures. And after that, he was seen by Cephas, Cephas being Peter, and he was seen by the twelve. Now let me stop there a moment. When Jesus resurrected, he was seen by the twelve. If you note, there was one particular disciple who should have been an apostle. It was Judas Iscariot. But basically, by his disobedience or by him rejecting Jesus or by this betrayal, he basically took himself out of the scene. That left 11 apostles. All right? There's some people that say that apostles don't, don't exist today. It was only 12 apostles and, and that's it. But if you look at Acts chapter 1, there was 11 apostles they had to fill in that position that was left by Judas. So they drew lots, and out came Matthias. So there you have the 12 apostles. These are the pre-ascension apostles, right? So these apostles were able to be eyewitnesses of the Lord Jesus Christ. They had a specific call to be eyewitnesses. But then later on, you have Paul. Paul wasn't one of the original 12, and he became a great apostle. He was the 13th apostle, so to speak. And yet he wrote two-thirds of the New Testament. Later on, it speaks of apostles in scriptures such as Apollos and others. So they, they were Ephesians 4 apostles. They were, they were diff a different breed of apostle. The original ones had to be eyewitnesses. But throughout history, you have had others that have been able to glean from the truths of Almighty God, glean from the historic writings. One of the things that they were fastidious about was that they would take the original scrolls and rewrite them. And, re and that was a ministry. Imagine that your ministry is just to write what you read. Right? Take a scroll and write it word for word, verbatim. Just write it over and over again. So some of us lost the original scrolls, but we have the replacement scrolls by men of God who literally just spent hours and days and weeks rewriting the original accounts. So God used men throughout history to be able to keep fresh the information that was shared 2,000 years ago. And then you see history. Just the other year, I had an opportunity. Uh, Sam McHale, a dear friend of ours, he invited me to, um, it was a special show not a show like in Hollywood or uh, you go see a movie, but it was basically to show some of the scrolls, some of the original scrolls. And some of them had pieces, some of them had three-quarter pieces, one-quarter piece, but all of them shared about Jesus, about the life of Jesus, about the life of the disciples, about the life of the apostles, and basically confirmed this part of history. So when we share to you that in Christ you can have confidence, history itself backs it up. And for all those that would want to say the Bible's not true, they certainly have not done their homework. They certainly haven't taken the scientific approach to disprove. Because every major scientist that has tried to disprove the Bible has had to, in the end, agree that the Bible is uh, fact, it's sharing historical facts, right? And that Jesus did exist, that he did live, he did die, and he did rise again. And when you see other religions, <clears throat> they all have hope in their leaders, but all of them died and remained dead. The only one that rose again from the dead is Jesus. Hallelujah. So that gives us a confidence, a confidence that no other religion, no other person can say uh, to us that would give us the same level of confidence. The Bible says in Ephesians 1.3, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us, say with me, blessed us, blessed us. 
He, he has, the Bible says. God already blessed you. Say to your neighbor, he's already blessed you. He's already blessed us with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places. In Christ. Say that with me. In Christ. And that's what I want to share with you a couple of minutes. In him. In him. See, in him we have hope. In him we have joy. In him we have salvation. In him we have confidence. It says, just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love, having predestined us to adoption as sons by Jesus Christ, according to the good pleasure of his will, to the praise of his glory, of his grace, by which he made us accepted in the beloved. So there's certain things that I'm going to touch in a little while, but as I'm reading, listen to the specifics. Number one, in him, he blessed us. In him, we were chosen. In him, we can be holy and, and without what? Without blame. See, the enemy will come to you and he'll blame you about your past. So I know who you really are. But the Bible says that whoever is in Christ is a new creation. All the old things passed away. Everything is new. See, so the world doesn't understand that. That in him, there is an adoption. In him, there is something that happens in the spirit realm that's legal, it's authoritative, and it's binding. So you need to understand, when God in Christ worked this amazing miracle, basically what he was doing is he was opening up a door to adopt us as his own family. He didn't want to just say, well, you, I'm going to have mercy on you, but you better watch out. Many people preach a God. In Spanish, we say un cuco. <laughs> if you don't know what that is, it's, that's the monster you find underneath the bed when you're six years old. There is no monster, but, you know, el cuco. You know, that's the <clears throat> Anybody heard that word before, el cuco? Come on, I'm not, I know I'm not the only one. You, you, live, you live here in this, in this region, too. Well, God is not un cuco. And when I was coming up in church, many times they would present God like that. You better watch out. He's, he's, you better watch out. He's going to come after you. No, God is holy. We know that. We understand that. But in Christ, he showed us mercy, a mercy that we did not deserve. So let me give you several verses on that because here it says, he made this abound toward us in all wisdom and prudence having made known to us the mystery of his will, according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in himself. So he purposed all this in himself. He made us, but he said, I'm going to make this particular creature or this creation in our image and in our likeness. So there was something about us that he was creating that was special to him. It's almost like we were an extension of him. For Jesus to die on a cross, that means that we had to be important to God. Hello? Would you die for an absolute stranger? Would you die for your children? Yeah. Yeah. I'd throw myself under a bus. Yeah, they don't mess with my children. I remember years ago, there was a person threatened my son. And Pastor Victor went over there, threatened him right back. Oh, yeah, I threatened him right back. Then I prayed to God. I said, God, thank you. Thank you, Father, that this didn't have to escalate. I didn't want to plant the holy one right on his. But this was Father. I, I'll do whatever for my children. I'll protect them. But to see, this is God. God made us. And, and, you know, you ladies, come on. You're even worse than us guys. You will do whatever it takes for your children. It's better to meet an angry bear than it is to meet a mother that's on a mission to protect her children. Hallelujah. And God is both father and mother. He's got the whole within him. So he is jealous for us. He loves us. I don't understand this love. I just have to, basically, I I appreciate it. I receive it, right? I respect it. And say, God, thank you. I I don't know what to say. But what do you say when somebody gives you a gift? You You say thank you. And you receive it, right? In Christmas, right? You, You receive it. Especially if it's like a, uh, an envelope there and, and you open it up, it's like $5,000. You go, you go, thank you for the envelope. Then you open it up, it's $5,000. You go, thank you. <laughs> I, I'm just saying something of great value, right? But we are such great value to him 
that he sent his son to die on the cross. Think about the importance. Think about how awesome this is that Jesus himself would die on the cross. And while he's there on the cross, he's saying, forgive them. They don't understand what they're doing. Right there on the cross, he's ministering to his mother. He says, John, take care of mom for now. From now, she's your mom. He looks to the side of him. Somebody calls him. Guess who? It's a, a criminal that's on the cross also. He says, don't forget me. Don't forget me when you come to your kingdom. I mean, it wasn't easy to talk while you're hanging there. But this man had enough understanding of who was right next to him. I mean, that was the greatest decision he ever made. All right, don't forget me. Jesus said in his agony, he said, don't worry, today you'll be with me in paradise. Wow, the love of God. Well, I deserve it. I've been in church for 20 years. No, you were saved by grace. The same grace that saved that criminal saved you. Hallelujah. Nothing you do can make him love you more. Hallelujah. So when we look at these in him verses, verse 11, it says, in him also we have obtained an inheritance. So there's another in him, being predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will. Verse 13, in him you also trusted after you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation. In him or in whom, also having believed, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. So in Christ, not only did he love us, did he adopt us, did he give us an inheritance, he also sealed us with the Holy Spirit of promise. Now listen, this is very important because when you go before God, that seal is going to show up. Nobody's listening to me now. When God sees that seal, so, oh, you're in Jesus. You're mine. Are you aware you have a mark? See, theologically, in, in the book of Revelation, it talks about a mark of the beast. A lot of people talk about that. But very few talk about the mark that Jesus gives us by the Holy Ghost. You have a mark. You belong to God. I remember one time I was in the east side, and I passed by a drunken man, and he looks at me, and he starts dancing, singing coritos. You know what a corito is? It's, it's a, a song that we sing in church. How did he know I was a Christian? I didn't have a Bible with me. I wasn't dressed like a Christian. He suddenly knew I was a Christian. That spirit on him knew exactly who I was because I have a mark on me. Another time, I was also on the east side. I think it was around 111th Street between 3rd and, and Lex. So I was passing by. These two guys take out a knife. and They said, get in, get in over here. Give us your money. So I said, all right. So I had like two quarters on me. So I got two quarters on me. <laughs> yeah, I was broke, busted, and disgusted. <laughs> but, you know, I had something to give them. So as I take, suddenly they go like this. They go, they go that's, no, that's all right. You could, give, you could go. We respect you people. They knew because I have a mark. One time, a guy that practiced uh, santeria came to me and looked at me. He says, oh, you have a light on you. You, 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 you. There's like God's all over you. You have like a light on you. I said, that's right. That's right. I know exactly what you don't have. To you don't have to testify of me. I know the spirit that I have, right? See, there's a mark on you people. Say to your neighbor, you're marked. You're sealed for the day of redemption. Hallelujah. Amen. And that's something he does in him. So Resurrection Sunday is a reminder to us, to each and every one of us, about who Jesus is, what he did for us on the cross. It's that in him that our relationship with God is restored. It's not our good works. It's not our name. It's not our family. Not your past. Not your culture. It is in him that we receive the inheritance that God prepared for us. And then another thing is that, remember I told you that we're special to God. In Genesis 1.26, God said, say with me, God said. God said. said, let us make man in our image according to our likeness. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, over the cattle, over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on this earth. So God blessed us with dominion here in this earth realm. We have power to create things. Every bridge that you see just didn't fall from heaven. Man created it. Every building that you see, man created it. 
the iPhone that you have in your pocket, or the Android. Okay, come on. All right. I know not everybody's an iPhone. Some of you are Android people. What else? What others? Huh? Galaxy. Yeah. That was created by man also. Which one's yours? Galaxy. Okay, okay. That was created by man. God gave us wisdom. He gave us understanding. He gave us dominion. So we have authority here in this earth realm. But then he said this also. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. Then God blessed them. See, not only did he create you, he blessed you. That word bless in scripture has several connotations. See, it is a desire uh, for something to go well with you when somebody blesses you. But when God blesses you, he's empowering you to prosper in your life. He's empowering you with authority. He's empowering you with a recognition in the spirit realm. Remember uh, Paul, he used to cast out devils, Peter used to cast out devils? Well, there was these guys that saw them casting out devils, these seven sons of a guy called Sceva. And so they cast out a devil, or they tried to cast out a devil out of a guy, and this guy had a legion within him. And the, the man who was filled with the devil, he says, who are you guys? We cast you out in the name of Jesus that Paul preaches. Who are you? Well, we're the seven sons of Sceva. We're casting you out in the name of Jesus that Paul preaches, right? You know what the devil said in, through them, through this guy? He says, we know who Paul is, and we certainly know who Jesus is. But you? <laughs> and, and that man jumped on them, beat them up. They ran out because they were not marked. They didn't have authority. They did not know Jesus. Hallelujah. God gives us authority. He blesses us. You are blessed. Say to your neighbor, you're blessed. blessed. Then he said this to them. He he blessed them. He said to them, be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and subdue it. Have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, over every living thing that moves on the earth. Bless them with the ability to be fruitful. God gave you the ability to create more. Physically, we create. We create in terms of vision. We create in terms of ideas, concepts. We create family. We create community. God blessed us to be able to do that. Wherever you go, you should be creating stuff. Your job should love you because of your ability to create on the job. If you're not creating on your job, that means that you're not excited or motivated in your job. You need to turn that thing around. You know why? The place where you're at is the doorway to your better. And when you allow God to work through you and to create through you and to allow creativity to flow through you, remember, he already blessed you with it. Oh, God, help me to be better. Excuse me, you have the better within you. You already have the anointing. You just have to let Jesus flow through you. You have to let the wisdom of God to flow through you because he gave you the ability to multiply. See, he says, bless them, be fruitful, and multiply, and fill the earth. See, we're filling the earth naturally, but we also fill the earth with ideas. The Bible says that that let the earth be filled with his glory, right? So we can fill the earth with God's glory. We can fill the earth with the word of God. You could fill your job with an atmosphere that would be conducive to confidence and joy. Wherever you see gossipers, you can fill the earth with peace. Amen? Amen? Nothing shuts a gossiper better than not falling into that. Right? I, I'm retired now from the job where I work, but for years, when they came to my office, they had to shift their atmosphere. Why? Because I came with an atmosphere. I filled the place with His grace, with His goodness. Somebody came with a bad attitude, he either went out with a nice attitude or he went out fired, one of the two. But I always first tried to give him the good attitude, right? No, that in truth, that was always my joy to be able to shift an angry person to the joy of the Lord. It was always my joy to be able to do so because I have that authority. I have that power. As the person's losing it, I'm praying. All right, Lord, how? How how are we going to get into this one? How are we going to fix this situation? And I believe God gives us wisdom every single day. All you business people, all you that are working and serving and supervising, just pray every morning. Say, Father, thank you for wisdom, for understanding. Thank you for grace. Thank you for confidence. And you go with that knowledge because God blessed you already with it. You're blessed. Hallelujah. Amen. Say to your neighbor, I'm already blessed. blessed. Hallelujah. So we were already blessed. 
In Matthew 6, 9, the Bible says, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. That was Jesus teaching the people how to pray. And it's interesting because we were also blessed with family. Now, when a person is in Christ, I need you to understand this. You're not just coming into agreement with what a church is telling you. What Jesus said on the cross is, I am making a way for all of those that God loves to come back to him. See, sin had separated us. But in him, the Bible says that we now become family. There's a verse that I shared. It says part of the inheritance is that we become family. Right? Who is the one that receives an inheritance in a family? The heirs. Who are the heirs? Either the, either the heirs are children or somebody that was treated like a son or daughter. Maybe a rich man had a person that served him for many years. And when he dies, he leaves something in the inheritance for this faithful servant or this faithful administrator, right? But it's not any person off the street. So God says, I have an inheritance for you. God says, when you pray, call me father. Bible says that I'm going to be a father to you and you're going to be sons and daughters to me. So part of what he did on the cross was nothing less. Ready for this one? Nothing less than an adoption. An adoption is legal. It is binding. Whether I'm a natural born or an adopted child, I have the same rights legally. God didn't just say, okay, I'll forgive you. He says, I'm going to have you walk in my authority. I'm going to shift your life. I'm going to shift your destiny. I'm going to shift your purpose. You're going to be my son. You're going to be my daughter. So your prayer has to change. Your prayer can't be, oh God, far away. If, If you have a chance, could you listen to my prayer? No. Your prayer has to shift to Heavenly Father, my dad, my Heavenly Father, my Abba. I have an issue. Another thing is that he shifts our responsibility legally. We become stewards. So the word steward is somebody that's responsible for the owner's goods. So when we're in a region, our family's part of our region, our job is part of our region, when we come there, we have the absolute right jurisdictionally, we have the right legally to go to that region and go to the Father and say, Heavenly Father, there are issues here, there are problems, and I'm reporting them to you. Grant that your wisdom would flow or grant healing or grant wisdom or whatever it may be. We live in this nation. Our prayers should be for our government, for our president, for the Congress. God, I'm giving you a report. Heavenly Father, I'm giving you a report. We're in a mess. And we need some wisdom. You see my point? So our prayer has authority. See, I always say this. When you go to a police officer, you know, he's wearing a badge or she's wearing a badge, better respect because they have a certain authority. They can put you in jail. Whether you like it or not, they have the authority to do so, right? And it was given to them by who? By the government. But spiritually, God has given us authority. When the enemy comes to us, he sees our badge. So jurisdictionally, not only are we family, we're also co-laborers. We're also co-heirs in him. Say to your neighbor, in him. Praise God. So when I, when I consider what he did for us on the cross, it blows me away. 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 16 through 8, it says, And you are the temple of the living God. As God has said, I will dwell in them. I will walk among them. I will be their God, and they will be my people. Come out from among them, says the Lord, and be separate. Do not touch the unclean thing, and I will receive you. I will be a father to you, and you will be my son's and daughters, says the Lord God Almighty. Hmm? The verse, let me share it with you here now. 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 16 through 18. So God's not treating you like a stranger. Why do many of us treat God like if he was not our father? Hallelujah. Look at these in him verses in the book of Ephesians. Actually, we already read it. I read it to you. He chose us to be holy and without blemish. He chose us to be adopted as sons in Christ. So say to your neighbor, I'm a child of God. 
I'm a son or daughter of the king. You have the right to say that. You have authority, legal binding authority in Christ, in him. He said, we were redeemed in him through the blood, the forgiveness of sins. We have forgiveness of sins. Now, question, do you go through guilt sometimes? We all go through guilt. We all go through, that. man, I could have done it better. Man, I could have done this. Well, God, guess what? God forgives us. We made a mistake. Get over it. Move forward. Move on. Resurrection day. New beginnings. You don't have to carry that mess any longer. God's not remembering it. You don't have to carry it. Hallelujah. In him we are forgiven. Yeah, but my, my friends come to me and say, oh, we know who you are. No, you, know, you knew who I was. I'm a new creation. Everything in me is new now because everything in Christ is new. He says that the riches of his grace abounds toward us. And we have, reta- we have obtained an inheritance. And the, the inheritance is only for sons and daughters. Praise God. I remember this preacher one time. He's a wealthy preacher. He's saying, I have set aside some good money for all my children. And they appreciate it. I can just imagine my funeral. I'm there, and of course, I'm in the presence of God, but my body's there, and my children are crying. My, jo- my grandchildren are crying. And they say, oh, how much did he leave you? <laughs> he, was just, you know, he was just thinking about how his homegoing service was going to be. And he knew that his children were going to rejoice because he left them well off, right? Children receive the inheritance. Well, guess what? Greater than money is what God has left us. An inheritance of of spiritual royalty. Hallelujah. He's left it for you. He loves you. Ephesians 1.17, it says, He gives us the spirit of wisdom and revelation in Him. I don't want you ever to say or anybody to say about you that you're dumb, that you're stupid, because you're not. In Christ, in Him, we have the spirit of wisdom and revelation. If you don't know something... Tell the spirit that's within you to bring you the wisdom you need. Bless God. Because you have the wisdom of the one that's unlimited. He didn't study in Yale. He created Yale. See, all these schools were started by Christians. I don't care what they say today. They were started by Christians. And it was the wisdom of God in them to start the schools. So they could get educated and learn and, and be useful in society. Praise God. Say to, say, say to your neighbor, you have the wisdom of God. So you need to say that every day to yourself to remind yourself because God loved you so much that he is not going to leave you defenseless. The wisdom of God is in you and flows through you. But you have to allow that thing to come forth. So every morning you have to declare, Father, I thank you that I have the wisdom of God. I have the grace of God for today. Give us this day our daily bread. Part of your daily bread is the wisdom of God for you. Years ago, I would walk into board meetings, and I would be intimidated. Because I would see this person that's a millionaire, that person that's a doctor, that person that's a lawyer. And I would hear them with their highfalutin words. I don't know if highfalutin is in the dictionary, but that's what I felt about, you know. I felt like that at the time. And I was intimidated. Then, then you know, I was reminded through Scripture that why are you intimidated? They're no better than you. They have to brush their teeth in the morning. They have to drink coffee and tea and get up. And They have arguments like we do, right? They have issues with family just like I do. So I said, you know, absolutely right. So I stopped fearing them. And what I did is I went to the meetings. I said, thank you, wisdom of God, flow. And I also realized that God wants to use me the way I am. He didn't make me like him, like her. He made me me, specifically me. So the wisdom of God is going to flow through me in my unique way. So that's why I stopped trying to change people and you know, make people more like me. No, you have a wisdom that God's going to flow through you uniquely. I, don't, I want you to be you. I don't want you to be me. I don't want you to be anybody's clone. I want you to be an original because that's what you are. So every morning, you got to wake up and say, thank you, Father, for your wisdom. Your wisdom will flow in and through me in this day. And if I didn't know something, if they spoke of a nice French word or Latin word, a term that I didn't recognize, I would write it down. i say, you got me this time, but you're not going to get me next time. <laughs> write it down, go home, and next time, if they apropos me, I apropos them right back. <laughs> yeah, yeah. At first, I didn't know what that was. 
I didn't know what things like vis-a-vis -vis were and all that else. It was that lingo. But I vis-a-vis -vis them more than they vis-a-vis me. Yeah, well, that, that's what you need to do. If you think a person's smart, just listen to them and get the, the, the fancy words, and now you're smart. <laughs> Praise God. Wisdom of God. The wisdom of God is in you, in Christ. Amen? Galatians 2.20, the Bible says, Christ now lives in me. Colossians 1.20, having made peace through the blood of his cross. Are you aware that you're walking in peace? God has released a peace just for you. And I need to share it sometimes because many times we forget. Because we're bombarded by things that don't produce peace. Movies don't produce peace, many of them. Many movies produce fear. There's some movies you shouldn't even go to. I'm serious. If there's anything underneath the, the stairway, don't go to that movie. Anything with a mask, don't bother going to these movies. Any movie that goes, nyah, 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 stay away from those. Yeah, because they feed your spirit. They, they feed fear. I remember when I was a kid, I mean, I'll never forget this. I, I saw a movie... I don't even want to mention the name because I don't want some of you to go see it. This is junk. Nonsense. I went with Gwen. We were teenagers at the time. I was trying to impress her. And we went to the movie. We went with her sisters. I went with another guy. The other guy I found, he also liked her. So we became rivals. What he didn't know is that I was marked and he wasn't. <laughs> That's right, man. I looked at him, I said, I feel sorry for this guy. You better go somewhere else. This is my field, kid. <laughs> but you know, we're, we're in the theater, and then just this fearful, frightful thing, and it, it scared me so much because in, in my family, they did a lot of that dabbling stuff, and so I, I, was, I got afraid. And me and this other guy, we, we both stopped looking at the movie, and we were looking like this, you know, at each other. I said, did it finish? Did the scene finish? They said, I think so. Oh, man, no, no, it's still there. Come on. But what, what, what offended me and, and just it disillusioned me was that Gwen and her sisters were laughing at the thing. They were just laughing had a good old time. And so for the next two weeks, I couldn't sleep, and she had no problem. And thank God I got saved because then I realized that, that stuff was junk, and I was carrying a fear I didn't even have to carry. And so we need to watch things that are going to edify us and things that are going to bless us. So some of us should stop giving money to these people so that they'll stop making those fearful movies and put good godly movies that are going to bless us and encourage us and motivate us to do great things. Praise God. So God's given me peace. Say to your neighbor, I have peace. I walk in his peace. Whenever you're tempted to lose your peace, go back to that verse, Colossians 1.20. You walk in the peace of God. 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7. God has given me, God has not given me a spirit of fear, but of love, peace, and of a sound mind. So in Christ, I have love. In Christ, I have peace. In Christ, I have a sound mind. Yeah, in my mind, I'm always forgetting this stuff. Stop saying that over your mind. Speak sound mind over you. I have a sound mind. I'm always forgetful. I think, my, I'm, I'm, think I'm losing my mind. Shut your mouth. Don't say that to your mind, because your mind will receive whatever you're telling it, imprint it, and then respond to you in kind. And when you don't remember, when you're losing it, you say, what's the matter with my mind? My, well, you told me that, that I'm, I'm out of here. No, no, no. Always speak the peace of God. Always say, I have a sound mind. Every morning you get up, I have a sound mind. Praise God. Because God is, God is faithful. His word is faithful. Never speak negative to yourself. And if anybody speaks negative to yourself, immediately shut that down. So with all due respect, I don't receive that. I am a child of God. I have a sound mind. I walk in the peace of God. I walk in the grace of God. I am a child of God. I've been adopted into his family. You might have known me in the past somewhere, but that person's dead. I'm a new creation in Christ. Hallelujah. Come on, give me some praise. Glory to God. Hebrews 7.25, in him, therefore, he is also able to save to the uttermost those, to come, those that come to God through him. Through him. So in Christ, we're saved to the uttermost. As long as you're in Christ, you're saved. Amen. You're delivered. You're set free. Remember in the Old Testament when the spirit of death hovered over to kill all the firstborn? Every time they would see the blood, they would have to pass over. They would have to, we can't touch this. There's a mark. You're marked. 
and you're protected and you're saved to the uttermost. It says, through him, since he always lives to make intercession for them. Did you know that Jesus is always making intercession for you? Some of you are hearing this for the first time. Jesus is making intercession for you. He is interested. He is concerned about your future, about your destiny. Glory to God. I have nothing to fear because my elder brother, Jesus, intercedes for me. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Amen. 1 Peter 2.9 But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people, that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. So the Bible says, in him we are a chosen generation. In him we are a royal priesthood. Now that's very unusual. Because you're usually either a priest or you're a king or a prince. Usually not both. But in this case, we are royal priests. We're kings in that we have authority. We're queen, kings and queens because we have authority in the earth realm, right? But we're also priests. A priest represents God to humanity. So we, are, we walk in the authority of a king and a queen, right? But we also walk in the authority of representing God to mankind. That's how come you need to look at yourself differently than you've ever looked at yourself before. You need to look in the mirror and you need to say, thank you, Father, for what you've made me. Because of your grace, I'm a priestly king. I'm, a royal, I'm part of the royal priesthood. There's this lady, Markel, last name Markel. I think she's maybe an actress or a model or something like that. Never heard of her until the prince decided to make her his bride. Now she's in the tabloids, she's on TV, she's in the newspapers. Everybody's looking at her. Everybody's taking pictures of her. Everybody said, wow, wow, there she goes. Everywhere she goes. She now has to go into a car protected by security guards. Meanwhile, nobody cared for her before Prince. Isn't that interesting? Before the Prince marked her as his own, nobody, you know, it was not a big deal. She could have walked the street, I wouldn't have known her. But now she walks the street and so, says, oh, that's, that's the lady that's marrying the prince. See, because of relationships, suddenly her market value shot through the roof. Oh, you're not getting this yet. Because of your relationship with the king of kings and the lord of lords, your market value has shot through the roof. <laughs> In the spirit realm, you are recognized because of your relationship with him. In the spirit realm, they recognize that you are a kingdom priest, a royal priest. Wow. It's good to meet you. It's an honor to meet you. You have authority. Glory to God. 1 Peter 2.24, who himself bore our sins in his own body on the tree, that we having died to sin might live to righteousness. Are you aware that every sin that you committed... Christ carried it in his body and he died on the cross as a sacrifice so that you would no longer have to carry it. Furthermore, he then imparts upon you his righteousness. So you walk in his righteousness. What is that? Simply put, righteousness is right standing. When you're righteous, that means you're clean. That means nobody can touch you. His righteousness imparted in you means when the enemy comes at you to try to accuse you, it doesn't stand in the court of heaven. I've shared this before, but for the sake of those that might not have heard the analogy, in, in the heaven, there is a court. And the judge is God himself. The, the just and righteous judge. Right? And then Jesus, on the right hand, he is the advocate. He's our lawyer. Then on the other side is the accuser of the brethren. That's one of the titles of the devil. See? So when you go before the righteous judge... God sees you as you are. And the enemy comes and says, Your Honor, this man committed this sin and that sin and that sin. And the righteous judge says, You're right. It is true. He committed all those sins. Then Jesus, the, right, the, the, the advocate, right? The one that's on our side, by the way. He says, Your Honor, yes, it's true. But he received me. And by my blood, he's forgiven. 
and my righteousness I've imparted upon him. So the just judge says, yes, I see your image upon him. Not guilty. Declared innocent. Declared righteous in the court of heaven. Say to never, you are innocent in the court of heaven. Praise God. In Christ. See, not by our own merits. If you go there in the court of heaven, and by the way, everybody will. Everybody has to appear in that court. That, that, that bima seat. You know, it's, it's going to happen. Everyone will bow to Christ. Some will bow with blessing. Some will bow. And it will be a sad day for them. Because they won't have the advocate. So when the accuser accuses them, the just will say, well, what's your defense? Well, I was decent. I didn't mess around much. And God will see sin all over you. The taint of sin. And he'll have no other recourse than to declare you guilty. Because you are. But in Christ, somebody already paid the price for you. In Christ, you're holy. In Christ, you are righteous. See, many people think that this is about religion. It has nothing to do about that. This is something that God himself worked in his own wisdom for you and for me. This is what works for him. There's no plan B. Oprah Winfrey one time said, oh yeah, there are many ways to God. Oprah, you're wrong. If God says it, I prefer to believe God versus Oprah or any other person for that matter. And just because you're a billionaire, and I'm not talking about Oprah, I'm talking about anybody. The problem is many times we make a lot of money, we become famous, and we think that now we have the right to speak into eternity. Listen, you're a piece of grass that withers. You're here today and you're gone tomorrow. How dare us think we can speak into eternal matters? We need God. We need the help of God. We need the Lord Jesus Christ. He's the one that died. He's the one that rose again. Pray to any other God and watch what will happen. You know what will happen? Nothing. You know why? They're dead. Pray to Jesus, what will happen? He'll respond. Why? He's alive. Glory to God. Amen. Praise God. Praise God. In John chapter 2 verse 5, whoever keeps his word, truly the love of God is perfected in him. By this we know that we are in him. Keep his word. See, this is the danger of pseudo-church. There are many people who say, yeah, I go to church. Yeah, but it's his word in you. The Bible says that if his word is in you and you're practicing his word, then it says here, God is, or rather, you're, the love of God is perfected in you. By this we know we are in him. Why? Because we keep his word. And only you can determine that. See, you can fool man. We can act Christian. Yeah, bless God. I love him. He's good. You, we, might have, we, we might have it all down pat. We might know church very well. But see, God did not send Jesus so you become a church member. God did not send Jesus so that you could sing in the choir. God did not send Jesus so that you could, you know, dress well. Because some of the best dressed peoples are the worst criminals. I'm, I'm, I'm dressed pretty decent. I, I, <laughs> looks pretty good. You know, I, I know how to dress on a budget. <laughs> yeah. Sharp? But you know, in the heavenly realm, nothing. Nothing. Years ago, I used to go to a church that you had to dress this way. In order for you to you know, be right. And if you didn't, they would criticize you. That's not God. That's human culture. It's human reasoning. See? God's word has to be in you. When was the last time you read the word of God? When was the last time you heard the word of God? You can hear it, you know. Sometimes I do that. I, have, I drive a lot, so I don't have time to, you know, to read physically. So I, I listen to the word of God. But you've got to get the word of God in you. It has to be in you. If, if his word abides in you, He'll make his abode in you. See, you have to allow the word of God to saturate inside of you. You know why? It'll start changing your mindset. So you'll start responding in power and authority and love and grace. 
That's part of our problem sometimes. We don't have enough word in us. So what, what's in us? What we learn from our friends, what we learn in school, what we learn from family, that's how we respond. But the more word we have, the more we respond like Christ. Right? Amen? So the word has to abide in you. In him we are saved. Revelations 1.5, in him who loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood and has made us kings and priests to his God and Father, to him be glory and dominion forever and ever. So I'm looking right now at kings and priests. This resurrection day reminds us of that. And in conclusion, there's so many of the other verses. I recommend you go to maybe a gateway Bible, the gateway Bible, Bible gateway. You know, tomato, tomato. <laughs> so, the Bible Gateway. Let's go with, you know, with Minister Tony's. So, you go and you write down in him. Find out how many in him's come out. Study them. Because in him, that's what we are. Don't, don't wait for me to tell you all of it. What about Monday? What about Tuesday? What about Wednesday? What about Thursday? What about Friday? What about Saturday? And then the next week comes. What about Monday? What about Tuesday? Every day we have an opportunity to study another in him verse. You know why? That's where your authority is. In him. So in conclusion, 1 John 2.28. And now little children, abide in him. That when he appears, we may have confidence and not be ashamed before him at his coming. So if you abide in him now, when his coming manifests, we will not be ashamed. We will be expecting it. We will be expecting his coming and rejoice with him. And the last verse, John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that, so, that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise God. In him. Are you in him? Or do you know of him?